Hi, I'm JS Van Buskirk from Atlanta. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. My guest on the program uh, is comic artist Ariel Schrag. Uh, just reissued were her three books, Awkward Definition and Potential, which she wrote and published uh, while a high school student at Berkeley High in Berkeley, California. Um, published herself, in fact. Uh, Ariel, welcome to the sound of young America. Thank you. So... It's an odd circumstance to be uh, republishing something that you wrote 10 years ago. How do the works look to you now, 10 years later? Um, they basically look the same. I wouldn't say that they look any different. Um, I, I guess I sort of have a, you know, there, there's some of the graphic sex scenes that I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't draw that you know, now, but, um, it's not that you didn't remember your life being that graphic. No. Yeah. I'm just, I, I guess sometimes I'm shocked at sort of how brazen I was, but I think it's a really specifically teenage thing, you know, a, a sort of, um, impulsive exhibitionism that comes with being a teenager. These are really, I mean, ex exhibitionism is like a really p powerful word. Like these are really intensely personal autobiographical comic books. They're, they're, Books that I could imagine someone writing in their high school years, but I have a hard time imagining someone writing and self-publishing in their high school years. So, when you when you started on uh, when you started on the first, did you always imagine it as a work for public consumption? Um, no. the The very first one, awkward. I did just because mainly I was so excited by my first year of high school. I'd come from a really small public, I mean, uh, a really small private school uh, with like thirteen kids in my class, and so to then go to Berkeley High School, um, which is you know huge, four thousand student body, um, was so amazing and so exciting to suddenly be with all these different kinds of people, and just really felt like the real world and. Um, you know, I had my all these first experiences, my first boyfriend, first time I tried drugs, first sexual experiences. And so I felt so excited by this. I just you know needed to share. I needed to tell everyone what had happened. And so I definitely wrote the book with a sense of an audience, but I had no sort of idea about publishing or whatever that would consist of. And I, you know, I finished the book and I remember just sort of lying around the house one day and being like, Mom, like, what's going to happen with my comic? I wrote this comic. <laughs> and she was like, well, let's go down to the photocopy store and we'll make copies. And so my mom and I went down to Kinko's and we made you know, like about 50 copies. And then I just basically sold them to everyone I knew. When you say everyone you knew, does that include people that you knew like at school? That would be kind of the extent of people that I knew. I thought you could have sold it to your parents' friends. I sold it to my parents. I sold it to my parents' friends. Old and Mr. Hooper down at the store. <laughs> those people, too. And then the kids at school. Those were sort of everyone that I knew. What was the reaction from the people that were your peers that you sold it to? Well, everyone really loved it. And that was what was so exciting. Like, I had really no idea what to expect. And 
just everyone was so excited and so into it that I was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever done. I have to keep doing this for the rest of my life. Were there things that you revealed in the first comic that you were, uh, that you were hesitant to share publicly when you decided to sell it? Um, not, not really. Uh, are there things that you're now surprised that you weren't hesitant to share? (laughs) Well, you know, uh, awkward is pretty, um, the stories are pretty simple. It's sort of like, you know, we went to the the L7 concert and I had a crush on this guy and oh my God, it's very sort of that. And as the books, um, progress, there's sort of this evolution of, of growing up and they start to, um, go sort of deeper and deeper and become more, um, about what was going through my head and, and more personal and more about, you know, my actual thoughts than sort of what I did on the weekends. Um, and so sort of, it's more in the later books where I, you know, I look at something and I'm, and, and I'll be like, wow, like, you know, I can't believe I just sort of said that or showed this picture of, you know, me doing this really graphic thing. Um, and like I said, I, you know, I don't think I would write the same type of book now, but I'm really glad that I did it then because I think it is, um, that really is what it's like for a teenager. You know, all the details are, are important. And I think for me also, one thing that I never really understood as a kid was why in movies and books, the sex scenes always faded out. I was like, <laughs> that is the most interesting part. It made no sense. Like, cause when you're a teenager, sex is such a mystery and it's so exciting. And then in all these storylines to that part suddenly like fade and then wake up in the morning made no sense. And so for me, in the story that I wanted to tell, I really wanted to show like all the weird, awkward, you know, elating feelings that went along in those moments. Well, to what extent, uh, when you were first starting with this project, when you were in high school, did you uh, think of the work that you were doing in the context of other, you know, autobiographical comic work? Like, had you had you read other people's stories about themselves and and had that idea, or was it just? I think I read in an interview somewhere that you were, uh, as a middle schooler, really into High and Lois. Like, were you just like... Was, high and Lois? Was no, it High and for Lois? Better oh, for, for, better for better and for worse. better and worse and High and Lois are not the same. <laughs> for better... You can't compare those I two. don't know why High and Lois was on my mind. <laughs> um, for better and for worse, it was about teenagers. So obviously I was into it. I think High and Lois, was it just like some boring married couple or something? Yeah, I think they are, yeah. Couldn't care less. Um, yeah, I was really inspired by that comic, especially the fact that the, you know, everybody ages, you know, chronologically. Um, I loved that idea. I loved that I could age along with these kids. And, um, so when I was in eighth grade, I did this comic that was more like a strip comic. It was called Live It Like Me. And it was basically about like a teenage girl whose parents embarrassed her all the time. That was sort of the running egg and how her sister was annoying, which, you know, I saw as the humorous parts of my life. Um, But then what happened in ninth grade was I discovered for the very first time this comic um, called Deep Girl by Ariel Bordeaux, which was about her sort of waitressing and hooking up with guys. And it was just the raunchiest um, sort of most personal comic that I had ever read. And that was a huge inspiration to me. So I I wasn't familiar with like the huge span of autobiographical comics, which at that time actually wasn't even that huge. But I hadn't read like Dan Klaus or Adrian Tomina. I mean, they're not autobiographical, but I hadn't even read that many alternative comics. But I I saw Deep Girl, which was self-published and was just sort of being sold at my local comic book job. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to do this. In your uh, sophomore year of high school, how was your life affected by the fact that you had written this comic about your freshman year of high school and then self-published it? Well, I think being the girl that wrote the comic sort of became my identity, which 
in high school, you know, that's really what you need more than anything else. You need your identity. You need to be sure of what who you are in this place. So there's like the goth girl and the skater girl and the druggy girl and the girl who gets A's in every class. And then I was the girl that writes the comics. And um, that was sort of the best part about it, that I had this really sort of strong sense of who I was and, and that I, I was doing something important. Um, and, you know, it definitely did affect sort of relationships and that sort of as the years progressed and the comics became a, a bigger and bigger deal in my life, you know, there was more of the, oh, is this going to be in the comic and don't put this in the comic and um, so there was definitely a lot of that too. Did the fact that you had this kind of identity touchstone uh, affect you as you were um, defining the other parts of your identity? I mean, uh, above and beyond uh, your sexual identity, which is a big part of the second and, and third books, um, you know, just your general social identity? Um, yeah, I, I think like, for well, for one thing, people will ask me sometimes like, well, you know, all gay people, they're sort of like this, you know, at one point in your conversation or your time knowing them, there's gonna be like, well, you know, when did you come out to your parents or, you know, how did that happen? And I honestly have no memory of it at all because I really think I just did it through the comic. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it was more just like I wrote, you know, all these things that happened and I wrote it in the comic. I was like, oh, here, read this. And uh, there was never a conversation of me like talking to them about how I felt. It was always in relation to the comic. It was like, oh, well, in your comic, you said this. And and I think probably, you know, uh, it, was, it wasn't conscious at all, but I could say that there would be, there was something sort of that, you know, telling my story that way was easier, that I could do it sort of on my terms and the way I wanted and express everything I wanted to feel about all these changes and, and you know, communicate to people that way. Was it, um, you describing that, I mean, that is such a, that is so far from the cliched stories <laughs> about coming out. Like that is like on a whole other. Well, it was also Berkeley. Yeah, well, that's true. I, as a, as a, uh, a, a, having gone to arts high school in San Francisco at the, about the same time, I imagine my context was roughly similar. So I see where you're coming from, but. Like, what was your what was your parents and peers' reaction to this kind of very odd way of asserting your identity? Um, and I, I say I odd in, <laughs> as unusual, not in a judgmental sense. I really don't know. My parents were always really; they were both just incredibly supportive of the comic. So it always felt like that was the most important thing. And I remember when Definition, the sophomore year comic book came out, there was a lot of um, sex and drugs, way more than in awkward and sort of naked pictures and stuff. And I remember the time that I first showed it to my dad, I was like, okay, so you um, you can look at this, and, but you're only allowed to comment on the art. You can't comment on anything about the content. Did you literally tell him that? I, I literally said that. <laughs> and so we're sitting there and we're like... Flipping. Did he agree to this? <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. So we're sitting there and we're like flipping through the pages. Like, Here's Your parents like, talk a lot like how I imagine uh, high and lowest. Talk. Oh my God. I don't even... <laughs> I don't even know that comic. So my dad and I were sitting on my, you know, like on the so sofa. You were inspired a lot by Beetle Bailey. Is that correct? <laughs> no. <laughs> we're like flipping through the pages. There's like a naked guy like sprawled on the bed with an erection. There's like me downing a 40. And he's like, oh, well, I like how you draw the background. There. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of that. And I really appreciate that they did that because... You know, the thing is, I was re I was like a relatively good kid. You know, I, I, I did drugs and, and all that, but I always, I was, you know, I did really well in school and I was always really you know, sort of watching out for myself. Like I never wanted to try any really scary hard drugs like acid or anything because 
um, you know, because I felt like I that was too scary and I wanted to be sure I felt safe. And I think having parents that were more sort of free and open really helped me to do that. It was always my friends whose parents were super strict that ended up going on like ecstasy acid binges on the weekends. <laughs> that sounds like a heck of a binge. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a tough combo. Yeah, seriously. It was. <laughs> there were bad repercussions. So how did living how did living your life so publicly in, in these comics uh, affect your social relationships when you were like 15 and 16? Um, I, you know, I think it was, I think probably more people wanted to be my friend. <laughs> um, you know, it's weird. It's like. People will ask me a lot, you know, did people get mad about, you know, their portrayals in the comics? And really the answer is, is that the people that had the smallest parts were the people that got mad. And I think it's because I wanted to be in it more. <laughs> it's the, the people that, you know, had really big roles that I actually exposed stuff about all really love the comic. And people that have gotten mad are the, are the ones who are like, oh, she only just drew me in one panel and she drew me fat. Like, it's always <laughs> sort of that. Um, but in general, you know... You know, no one ever was like, oh, I, I don't want to hang out with you because I don't want to be in the comic. But it's it's so abstract. You can't really think that way. Did you want uh, at that age to be a, a comics author? Was that was that your goal oh, in life totally. or was it? An- I mean, once I wrote Awkward and, and started selling it and got the sort of positive response I was just completely, you know, I mean, the thing is, I'd always really wanted to be a cartoonist. I actually have this video from when I was like 11 in fifth grade. You had to do a project about what you wanted to be when you grew up. And I made a video called I Want to Be a Cartoonist. (laughs) And it was me like, you know, like describing the different kinds of cartooning and talking about how I wanted to have like a show like Dennis the Menace or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, So it was definitely always sort of an idea. Or maybe like High and Lois. (laughs) Or not. Um, And so it was, you know... But I think once I did Awkward and sort of realized what comics could be, I became that much more excited about the idea, the idea that I could write about anything. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Ariel Schrag. Three comic books she published as a high school student have now been re-released by a major press. They're called Potential, Awkward, and Definition. We'll have more with Ariel in just a minute. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. If you like The Sound of Young America, ask your local public radio station to carry it. I'm proud the show is on a dozen or so public radio stations around the country, but we're always looking to add more. If you can't hear the sound on the radio where you live, drop your favorite public radio station a line. Tell them how much you enjoy the show and how much you think their other listeners might enjoy it, too. Link to a favorite interview. Tell them why you think it's worth their time to check it out. Then let us know when you hear back on the forum. Some public radio shows hire PR firms for thousands of dollars a month to push their show to stations. I can't do that, so I'm asking you to lend a hand. Call or write your local public radio station today. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. My guest is cartoonist Ariel Schrag. She chronicled her high school years in the books Definition, Awkward, and Potential. They've just been re-released to mass market booksellers. What do you think was appealing to you about the comics medium uh, specifically as opposed to... I mean, there are... 
um, you know, there are millions of uh, 16-year-olds, you know, male and female, but especially female, writing about their lives in their diaries right now as we talk. Um, what do you think it was about the, uh, the, the medium of comics specifically? Well, I just always really loved to draw. So it was something I did constantly as a kid. And, you know, it's just sort of that one of those things where it was the easiest way for me to express what I was feeling. You know, if I'd be telling a story to somebody, I'd be like, oh my God, and they looked like this. And I would just draw the expression. It was, you know, easier to show what I had experienced through drawing. And, you know, also, I think it was just much more exciting than writing. I mean, writing was everybody, you know, did writing, but only I did comics. So again, it was that thing of like having that identity. Um, and I just love to read, you know, comics. Um, reading a comic was way more exciting to me than reading just prose. So, did you did you think of yourself as, um, uh, especially by the time you were um, you were in your junior and senior years of high school, did you think of yourself as being part of a, a larger comics community? Well, I, I definitely became obsessed with the idea of being part of the larger comics community. <laughs> um, I went to my first comic book convention in 10th grade. It was APE, Alternative Press Expo in San Jose. And that was when I sort of realized, you know, oh, my God, there's this whole world. There's all these people and they've got this industry, you know, back talk and, and uh, scandals. And I, I sort of romanticized way more than it actually is. It's kind of just a bunch of nerds, <laughs> you know, but I sort of imparted this idea of like sort of like a film industry, like hierarchy onto it. I was like, I'm going to be part of that and I'm going to climb the ranks and, um, and I, I start out in the mail room. Exactly. I had that fantasy. I'm going to build my way to the top of the comics world, which turned out to be not very big. I'll start by answering <laughs> Linda Berry's mail and then soon I will have eaten her soul and assumed yeah. her body. <laughs> I mean, I just, I basically did become obsessed with learning everything about comics. And I lived, when I was a, a senior in high school, I lived just around the block from Adrian Tome, you know, so I would go over to his house and be like, okay, teach me how to use Zipatone. And, um, so he really, would, yeah. What did he think about that? Uh, about teaching me how to use Zipatone? No, about the fact that this 18 year old or 17 year old, I don't know how old you were when you were a senior in high school, but. When you were 17 years old, did, did you just like show up at his house? Well, no, did you I, like knock on his door? I ran into him on the street and I think we recognized each other from conventions or something. I think he, he had had similar experiences because he was drawing comics when he was teens. And I think Dan Klaus sort of took him under his wing. So, you know, maybe he was, you know, uh, doing that a little bit for me. Um, but, you know, I yeah, basically just... You know, I, I wrote to every cartoonist I could. I remember I wrote a letter to Ariel Bordeaux <clears throat> right after I read her book. And when I got a letter back from her, I just like ran around my room with my mouth open. I, I was so excited. What about the fact that um, that the comic book industry remains very, very male dominated? I mean, there's many female creators, but it's the percentages are still heavily skewed. Um, how do you how do you feel about how you fit into that world where there's just so many dudes? I don't know. I mean, like, when I was younger, it would mean that I would go to comic book conventions and go to a lot of strip clubs with them and stuff. <laughs> Wait, no, you didn't really go uh, to strip clubs yes. with comic book dudes. I did. Um, so there was a lot of, I, I think it was just my experience was sort of in this, like, dude buddy world. I have dude buddies, and I've never been to a strip club. <laughs> I think they were really into the idea of going to a strip club with me was part of it, too. Um, so I don't know, you know. That sounds kind of upsetting now that I've laughed at it. 
<laughs> it was all in good fun. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I've never, it's true that it is very male dominated, but I have, you know, a, a lot of good friends that are female cartoonists. So I've never really felt alienated or weird. You know, one of my best friends is Gabrielle Bell, the cartoonist, and we get together and draw all to get, um, all the time. So it's. When you were creating, um, uh, uh, the, the later books in the series, which, um, have a lot of, uh, uh, a, a lot of, for example, explicit content, which you described earlier, were you ever self-conscious? Did you ever feel like this is something that I need to hold back about, about any part of it? No, I, I really was just totally obsessed with, with telling a specific story. And I think, you know, as you'll see, like awkward, you know, there's not very much explicit sex and definition. There's a little bit more and potential. There's more. And likewise, it's sort of like <laughs> completely all out there. Um, likewise, being the, the fourth, being the fourth book, book in this the, series. The senior year book is extremely explicit. And it's because I basically just, you know, like I was saying, I was really obsessed with telling this true real story and getting to the core of it and not letting any sort of nervousness or embarrassment stand in the way of, of telling this story. And I think there was definitely a sense of like, yeah, well, this is, you know, this is sort of personal and I wouldn't normally like go around telling people this, but because this comic is so important and I really want to tell this story, I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm actually a fairly uh, private person in real life. I'm not, I'm not like an exhibitionist and I'm not the loudest talker in the room or far from it, but I just really wanted to tell these stories and I felt that including those sexual parts were a part of the story. You've spent uh, the last couple of years uh, working not just on comics, but on a lot of other stuff, uh, among other things, writing for uh, the television series, The L Word, writing a film adaptation of one of the books and so on and so forth. But do you still feel that same way that you felt in high school about comics? Like, do you still feel like it's it's worth uh, bearing everything to, to, to tell a story about yourself? Um, well, I guess there's two questions like bearing everything, uh, you know, I don't need to tell that story again. So, you know, in in the future comics that I write, you know, I want them to be personal and, and it'd be important stories to me, but are they going to be the same sort of sexual bearing? No, because they're not that story of sort of, you haven't had sex since high school. I have not had sex since high school as part of it. Um, but you know, it's, even if I was going to tell a story, you know, about sex, it wouldn't be about having sex for the first time, which is such a, a momentous thing that, yeah, every little detail counts. And so that's why I had to show it then. Um, but now, you know, I, who can say it's uh, it's it, it all depends on what the actual story is, like whether I want to bear so much. But I think that those the, the previous books were specifically about that teenage experience. As I mentioned, you uh, you wrote a screenplay version of uh, uh, one of the books in this series. How, how is it different for you to write in this uh, medium? That's not only uh, not only you don't get to draw the pictures, but um, it's also often very uh, uh, very collaborative. There's there's not always uh, uh, as strong an authorial voice as there is in comics. Well, that's part of what I really loved about screen, uh, screenwriting, both on the L Word and in the screenplay potential, was getting everybody's input and, and working on something with somebody else. Um, you know, comics, it's sort of what I love about them is is that you have complete control, but they all ve- they are very solitary. So it was great to be able to work on something with someone and all with someone else. And also just the idea of having an actor act something out is, is amazing because humans, you know, 
can express emotion in a way that the drawings can't. So that will be really exciting. Too. Well, let me ask you about, um, we've been talking a lot about the first three books in the series of the, the fourth book and the, and all of which you, you published yourself when you were in high school, then were published by a comics publisher and have just recently been republished by a mass market publisher. Um, the fourth book in the series from which I haven't read, but I've only read about is much longer and it's 400 unless, pages. <laughs> unless I'm mistaken, not yet published. Yeah. Um, what's different? Why, why was this, why were the first three pieces, the things that you wrote over the summer afterwards, uh, after a school year and the fourth piece, something that you've been uh, holding on to for, you know, uh, eight years? Um, well, firstly, Potential um, was not fully completed until two years after I graduated. It took me, to, uh, I, I wrote the entire thing over the summer, which uh, means in a sort of a pencil rough draft form. So basically, if you look at look at the book and just imagine everything in pencil and kind of messy, that's what I did over the summer. And then it took me two years to go back over with an ink pen and make it look nice. Um Likewise, took me an entire year to write. So I took a year off between graduating high school and starting college. And I lived in a windowless basement in Brooklyn and spent um, all day writing likewise. And it ended up being almost 400 pages. And I have been doing the sort of laborious project of inking it since then. And in, this, uh, in the meantime, I went to college and um, you know, then had to start making money and worked on the L word. So I've had a lot of other projects at the, at the same time, but have been sort of, you know, steadily and, and slowly inking, uh, likewise this whole time. Do you, do you still see it the same way? Like, can you still get onto the original artistic wavelength that you had when you were 19? Um, yeah, it's cause really the thing is it's not, um, inking is very, it's kind of mindless. I mean, like I basically, like I sit at home and I listen to like five, this American life's in, in, <laughs> in one day while I'm just inking. It's just, you know, cross hatching, it's filling in black. Like it, there's not, it's not the same amount of, it's not the, the same type of creativity that goes into writing. And then the whole book was written in that one year between high school and college. So really all I'm doing now is, um, making it look nice. You know, I, I'm not sure what the analogy would be. Um, it's like putting something into focus or something. It's like if you have like a fuzzy image and you're very slowly like making it look clean. You you spent two years working at uh, the L Word, which is uh, a pretty great gig, um, a, as far as I understand it. You know, it's 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 well paid and uh, consistent, and the show wasn't about to get canceled, as as far as I know. Um, why did you leave? What else did you want to do? Well, I really wanted my books to come out, basically. You know, I'd, I'd had, likewise, I'd been slowly working on it. And it sort of just got to the point where I was like, I, I need to get this book out. It needs to, like, I, I became obsessed with the idea that it had to come out before I was 30. Because that just seemed <laughs> wrong to have this book come out that I, you know, wrote when I was 18. It's coming so interesting. Out after 30. It's so interesting because this the there's a huge sequence in Potential where you're just absolutely convinced that you have to lose your virginity to a dude yeah. before you turn 17. <laughs> I have a very sort of strict view of, of life sometimes, <laughs> um, compulsive uh, ideas about, you know, the way things need to be. And definitely finishing likewise before I was 30 was one of these goals. Um, so what I did is I basically, you know, wrapped up, I, I'd finished about a third of it and I had my agent send it out to a bunch of publishers because I wanted to try to get a bigger publisher than my comics publisher. 
and um, and Touchstone was interested in in doing it and uh, and reprinting all the old books. But that I then had the the rest of the book to finish, which has been for so basically for the past year and a half, I've been working sort of nonstop all day trying to finish it. Is that hard for you? It, it is weird to me that I have spent so much of my life on this one year. Like it almost feels arbitrary. Like oh well, my, you know, when I was eighteen, like it could be any year. But but in a way, it couldn't. I mean, there is something about that year, your senior of, year of high school, where you're embarking on the rest of your life that is. There's nothing like it. Like that's that is really, I mean, there's just so much pressure and, and obsession with with identity. Like, who are you? Who are you going to be? You know, you are becoming an adult. You're becoming emancipated from your parents, and uh, and so I'm glad that it was that year that I've spent so long on. Have you connected with people who uh, uh, who have been in uh, a similar place in their lives when they were reading your your books? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of letters from from uh, you know, especially girls uh, younger than me and my age. You know, just you know, amazing stuff. To, talking about how the books, what the books have meant for them. Can you can you give me an example or tell me about one? Well, I went. I was at this um, dyke party in in Brooklyn, uh, actually in Manhattan, once, and this girl came up to me and she was like, "Are you Ariel Schrag?" And I was like. Yeah, and she was like, "You saved my life. You saved my life." And she was like, "I showed my my mom your book. She doesn't even speak English, and and she understands now." And um, and to hear that, it just you know, it, it gave me chills. It was like amazing. And she was like, I, "I I've shown them to so many people. Thirty people say thank you right now." And it was uh, it was amazing. Did you ever imagine when you were creating it that something uh, that something that was so personal? I mean, it is about as a personal work as I can imagine. As you mentioned, just so filled with details and specifics, um, would come to be uh, universal for people. I felt like I knew that what I was doing was really important. I, I definitely had this, in, and that's why I worked so hard on it. I just, I, you know, I think I was so young. I didn't really put it in a context. I didn't really know why or how or what, but I just felt like I had to do this. That this was really important. Well, Ariel, thank you so much for taking the time to be on The Sound of Young America. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ariel Schrag's books are uh, Potential and Awkward and Definition. Uh, They've recently been reissued and are in bookstores everywhere. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. If you hear a buzzing in the background, that's my $79 air conditioner. I just had to leave it running because it's so hot in here. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones, our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself, interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Find us online at maximumfun.org. There you will find our blog, to which you should subscribe, our other shows, to which you should subscribe, and our forum, where you should discuss things. Hey, listen, special offer this week. If you work at a public radio station, any public radio station that doesn't carry the sound of young America, and you are allowed to wear a T-shirt to work and promise to wear this t-shirt to work, we will send you a free Sound of Young America t-shirt. Just send an email to our intern, Chris. It's chris at maximumfun.org, C-H-R-I-S. Include your t-shirt size and the address of your station. We'll send it to your station. That way we know that you're not just some random person scamming on us, you know, for a free Sound of Young America t-shirt. And we'll send you a free shirt. I promise. Okay. See you next time on the Sound of Young America.